So the epistle this morning comes to us from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. And Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace with all of these take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. So this morning, I want to continue on our series uh, of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And if you'll recall the past few Sundays, we began with a look at Ephesians 4. And we worked out this uh, missional equation where we found that God's grace and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when added together, give us the ability, the purpose of ministering to the people, spreading the gospel, building up the body of Christ, which results in God's people eventually reaching the full measure, the full stature of Christ. And then we looked at Ephesians 5, Paul's comments there regarding the proper use of our time. And we looked at some of the barriers with regard to time that hinder us from reaching that full maturity. We talked about not spending our time worrying about time, but rather spending our time taking note of the God moments, seeking out those opportunities to connect with God and to connect with our fellow believers so that we're focused on communion with him and focused on communion with one another. And so today we move on to Ephesians 6. And we see that Paul has here to teach us about this active mission of the church in the world. And in order to, to look at that, I think we have to understand this environment in which we are living and operating. See, the, the message of the gospel that, that we as Christians are commissioned to take into the world, that message is counter to the predominant culture that's out there. There's a tendency for the world to be in opposition 
to the way things operate in the kingdom of God. The world says that we should accept all religions as equally valid, equally valid ways to reach heaven. That's what the world would tell you. But God's word says there's only one way to reach heaven. Jesus Christ, believing in him, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Believing in Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. The world says that we should turn a blind eye to sin in the name of tolerance and inclusion. But God's word says that we should speak the truth in love, stand up for righteousness and flee from wickedness and sin. See, the world says that we're to be independent and to rely on our own intellect. But God's word says that we are to be dependent on our heavenly father for everything. And that we should lean not on our own understanding. You've heard that before. So you see, there's a, there's a disparity between what the world wants to teach us and what God's word wants to teach us. And that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. Now it begs the question, why does this disparity exist between the world and the kingdom of God? Why do we as Christ followers have such a different perspective on worldviews? Well, I think the division can be attributed to who is the dominant influence in the hearts and the minds of the people living in the world. Basically, there are two types of people that are in the world today, believers and non-believers. There's not really a gray area. Either you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord or you don't. Those who do not trust Jesus, the Bible says, are in the camp of the devil. Now, even though they don't knowingly subscribe to the devil as being Lord of their lives, they, they may be completely oblivious to his influence in their lives. But they reside in his domain. They're influenced by his work in the world. They're influenced by the devil because under their own power, right, using their own intellect, their own abilities, they're just powerless to resist him. And so Paul says in Ephesians 6, if we look at the first two verses there, uh, in uh, verses 10 through 12, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the, and the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh. It's not the people in the culture that are the problem. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, Paul says against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. See, clearly we're up against a more formidable foe than we really can wrap our minds around. It's not the people who are actively in the world as non-believers. It's what's influencing them. The thing is, we have a message of hope to deliver to those people. And make no mistake about it, Satan does not want that message to reach those who are under his influence. 
Even as believers, we're no match for the powers of the present darkness without God's divine protection. Your heart can be totally sold out to Christ, but without the divine protection of God in your life, without you actively being in his word, well, Satan finds the cracks and he gets in. Now, if we were in the army, we wouldn't think of going into combat without protection from the many ways that the enemy would seek to destroy us, would we? Well, spiritual combat's no different. We have to protect ourselves. And Paul gives us in this chapter in Ephesians, he gives us the ultimate armor to provide that protection. He tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Just like the battle gear that that our military wears into battle, God provides the gear we need to survive in the world while we're carrying out his mission. And so Paul lays it out for us. What is this gear that we need to put on? He says in verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, the belt of truth. Now, if you've ever been in the service, the part of the, the equipment that they issue to you, the central part of that is this utility belt, if you will. That you strap it around you and it holds all the tools that you need to function in the combat environment. There's a place for ammunition. There's a place to put your canteen of water. There's a place for a knife. There's a place for all the different pouches that you need, a first aid kit, a compass. There's a place for a flashlight to light your path and to read in the darkness. The belt of truth functions in a similar fashion. See, the truth is the word of God. It provides us with the ammunition to fight the battle over the souls of the lost. It nourishes us and refreshes us like water in a canteen. It cuts deeper than any knife that you might carry. It's an excellent tool for dissecting the lives of the deceiver. It provides treatment for our wounds and healing for our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirits. It gives us direction like a compass. It orients us to the cross of Christ. And like a flashlight, it, it lights our path through the darkness of this fallen and broken world. It's the belt of truth, and it has all of these things that we need. That's not the only part of the armor, though. Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Bless, breastplate of righteousness. When I was in the Marine Corps, we had a Kevlar vest. Right? Kevlar, real tough stuff, lightweight, but stronger than, than metal. And it was designed to stop shrapnel and other foreign objects from penetrating the vital organs of the body. Putting on righteousness means putting on a mindset and a heart set of doing what the Word of God says is the right thing to do. We are to act right, to do right, to think right, to be right. And when we do that, we protect our heart and our life from evil. 
and from the temptation that seeks to manifest itself in us. And how does it manifest itself in us? Well, it, it manifests itself as sin. Sin that seeks to penetrate our hearts right down to our very souls and separate us from the God who created us. The breastplate of righteousness, the Kevlar vest of righteousness. I also remember from my time in the Marine Corps that, well, pretty much anywhere we went, we were either marching or running or walking. Didn't matter how we got to the mission field, we could get there by ship or plane or helicopter or even by truck. But you can bet that once we got there, the rest of the way would be on foot. And so a good pair of combat boots, we used to call them leather personnel carriers. So a good pair of combat boots is essential to completing your mission. You have to be able to take the fight to the enemy, and most of the times he's, he's dug in deep and you can't get to him by any other means than just walking right up to where he is. To defeat the enemy, you have to stand before him and go at it toe-to-toe. -to -toe. The devil's in, a, in a, a really bad habit of lobbing things from a distance because as a believer, he can't get close to you. And so we have to go to where he is and we have to defeat him where he is. And in order to stand firm on this rocky ground, because when we take the fight to the devil out there, all those things are trying to influence us and tempt us. All the stuff that we're trying to deal with in the lives of the non-believer, that stuff can permeate through your skin as well if you don't have the armor on. Paul tells us, as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Whatever will allow you to take the gospel to the people, to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe against the enemy, whatever will give you stability and traction and support, well, that's what we need to take into that battle with us. We're to stand on that. The last thing we need while we're fighting the enemy is to worry about where we're stepping. Proper support allows us to move freely without fear of a misstep out there in the battlefield while we focus our full efforts on defeating the enemy. Put those kinds of shoes on your feet as you take this fight to the enemy. Now, carrying the message to the people, maneuvering skillfully through enemy lines in order to get the message through to the people, that need to hear the gospel, it's an important mission. It's up to us to complete the mission. We are ministers of the faith. We are Christian soldiers. Feet have a lot to do with accomplishing that mission. Another letter to a different church, the church in Rome, Paul says, how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. 
choose protect the feet of those carrying the gospel. Choose our support from other believers, from the church here at Countryside, from the universal church. Whatever supports and advances the delivery of the gospel to the community out there beyond these walls, those are shoes to help us proclaim the gospel of peace. Now, as I think about my combat gear, it didn't include a shield. I mean, it's been a few years since I've been in the Marine Corps, but it hasn't been that many years. I don't think the Marine Corps ever carried a shield. I could be wrong. But a shield is a key piece of gear to those who are defending against the arrows of the enemy. A popular tactic of warriors in Paul's day was to line up your archers and rain arrows down on the enemy before they got close enough to fight you hand to hand. See, the devil likes to lob the arrows in the hopes of picking us off before we can get toe to toe with him. See, in, in that way, by lobbing the arrows, you can deplete the strength of your enemy forces. You can demoralize them. You can make it easier to overcome them when they get close enough to engage you man to man. In, in much the same way, the devil takes great pleasure in picking apart the strength of the heavenly forces by assaulting us with flaming arrows. And what are the arrows? They're fear, temptation doubt, deceitful lies, things that are designed to tear us down, to, to make us doubt our belief in God or our value to God's kingdom. They degrade our will to resist. And so our defense against these fiery arrows of the devil is the shield of faith. Paul says, with all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What does a shield do? A shield deflects arrows, darts, blows. A shield takes the brunt of the force of the enemy's attack and protects our body from harm. So we use a shield to block that which might otherwise penetrate us. Faith is the shield to all that Satan throws at you. The shield of faith. Now to complete this ensemble, this armor of God, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if I, if I remember my Marine Corps issue. The helmet was this lightweight, strong, and, and, and capable piece of equipment that was able to deflect a potentially fatal blow. Once, once you donned the helmet and you adjusted the, the chin strap just right, it was, it was really comfortable, surprisingly so. Not like the old metal pots of the Korean and and uh, even Vietnam days, this, this Kevlar stuff is really remarkable. It's stronger than metal and, and much lighter. So it wasn't really a burden at all to put on the helmet and adjust it correctly and then you could move about 
freely. From a purely physical perspective, in the event of an attack directed at my head, it could very well provide deliverance or salvation from death, physically speaking. Now, from a more spiritual perspective, a salvation helmet protects our minds from the attacks of the evil one. The evil one whose aim it is to penetrate our minds and, and deceive us into making these life-threatening, perhaps even fatal errors in judgment. We're able to continue in our mission knowing that our hope in Christ, our hope in his free gift of salvation protects us from eternal death which is eternity separated from God. And so we need to put on the helmet of salvation. The last piece of the armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, we've already said that the word of God is truth. Truth is the core of our armor, right? The belt that's wrapped around our middle. We might say that our protection, our defense, is centered in the truth. But the truth, you see, is also a sword. It's not only defensive, it's also offensive. It's an offensive weapon with which we can take the fight to the enemy. Hebrews 4.12, indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The sword of the spirit, the sword of truth, the sword of the word of God is able to cut through anything the enemy can raise against us. There's nothing the enemy can do in defense of the truth. His lies crumble when we strike them with the sharp blade of truth. His deceit, his trickery is sliced and diced into powerless little bits and pieces when the word is applied to it with this kind of focused, sharp intensity. The sword of the spirit is a surgical instrument that dissects unrighteousness from righteousness. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. See, the sword of truth purifies, it sanctifies, it cleanses, it strips away the unclean cancer of sin from the body. The sword of the spirit, the sword of truth. And so there we have the entire armor of God. And we suit up in the armor of God before we go out into the mission field to do battle against those rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you see, we dare not go into battle without the armor of God. So now we have all the gear to get the job done, don't we? We have the belt of truth. We can wrap it around our middle and center ourselves in it. 
We have the breastplate of righteousness. We cover our vital organs with right actions, attitudes, and motives, and guard our hearts against the attacks of the devil. We have the stabilizing support of our community of believers here at Countryside. The, we, we are the shoes that enable us to maneuver effectively through this mission field called Splendora. And we do it with sure-footed purpose and balance and accountability because we are all shoes in support of that gospel mission. And we have the shield of faith. And if we hold it in front of us as we advance into this community, all that comes against us will be deflected away from us and not harm us. We have the helmet of salvation, the assurance and peace of mind that we belong to God. And we have a weapon. The sword of the spirit of truth. It's a weapon that's capable of rendering all of those dark powers helpless before us. We need not kneel to the powers and principalities of this world. The only person we need to kneel before is God. Because if you're willing to kneel before God, you can stand in the face of anybody. That armor of God gives you everything you need to stand in the face of evil. God has equipped us with all that we need to fulfill our mission out there. He's given us full body protection, full mind protection. And so put it on and then go out into the mission field and do battle with the enemy, knowing that through the power of Christ, you are already victorious. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.